Love Talk Radio. Basically, the owners, the uh, promoters, they don't have to deal with it. 
they don't have to deal with it. They don't have to deal with the destruction um, uh, through Facebook. They don't have to deal with the negativity from the drivers. They don't have to deal with uh, basically the bullshit from the fans um, as something, you know, look, they're exactly right. They don't have to, right? And, and I think we as a society should appreciate these people more. Um, it's not a it's not a gold mine like a lot of people think it is. Yeah, sure, one or two tracks thrive. Ninety nine percent of them struggle, um, and that's why you don't see long lasting promoters. Um, when you see the long lasting promoter, you know that either that person made tremendous uh, sacrifices. Well, I mean, when you see a long time promoter, uh, you know a person who's made tremendous sacrifices. It's just that time of year again, guys, and we know that racetracks start shutting down. Uh, we want to blame social media, but social media has made racing more popular, I think, than it's ever been. We use social media. I can't sit here and, and make social media the problem. Social media is a part of our lives. Um, I have discussed this with other people that, you know, we're in a society right now where a lot of the drivers and stuff, they don't want cameras in their faces, they don't know how to act, but yet we're raising an entire generation behind us that knows exactly when that camera's on. Uh, just there's no telling what we're going to see in the next 20 years, what type of entertainment or personality that we're going to see from the future, because these guys below, you know, they are, our children, they're not shameful of cameras. They, they've had cameras on them from day one. It's, uh, I think in our society of my age and older, we still shy around cameras. We still are like, I don't want my face on camera, you know? And that's just something that's um, passed there. So social media is not going to go anywhere. We just have to utilize it better, and we got to take care of these racetracks and let them know that, uh, hey, um, it's tough in the business of making calls. Like, you get mad at the TV every weekend when, some, when the referees, make a bad call against Ohio State, right? But yet you still watch the game the next week. So why the hell do you get mad at a promoter because somebody made a freaking judgment call, and then you want to be pissed off at the damn racetrack, and you want to go race across town or go 200 miles down the road because you're going to boycott the racetrack. Just go ahead and the business at the racetrack. I mean, seriously, it's, it's unreal. I'm not going to get into my soapbox. I, I refuse to do that. Because it doesn't do any good. I'm just asking, can we do better? And I'll bring along uh, my, uh, my my colleagues, my partners in crime, uh, Taz Taylor and Miss Lee Reed. Thank you for joining me. I believe we only have one of you online. Who is this? Is it uh, Miss Lee? I'm here. Yeah. I haven't all heard right. from anyone right. from Taz yet. Oh, there he is. Okay. He'll be here. All right, all right, He'll all be right. here shortly. Well, as as far as um, you know, the the racetracks closing and whatnot, um, and you know, social media, no, it's not going to go away. But I think that in, in and I'm going to generalize it, as a society as a whole. Everyone needs to be quitting, quit being armchair warriors. And thinking that because they're hiding behind a keyboard, they can say whatever they want to say without any repercussions. That's right. That's right. That's right. We, we even hold ourselves, like, we have the ability 
to create. Okay, the first thing that everybody wants to blame is the media, right? Well, what do we portray ourselves to be every Tuesday night, Miss Lee Reed? We're entertainers, for definite. But we, but we roll off of whatever the media is talking about this certain entertainment business. So even even we can be called persuasive at times, but we don't use that to our arsenal, right? We don't we don't we don't try to make people look bad or bash racetracks or anything to that to that apparel. We we praise these places, even you know. Like, like I said years ago, it is so easy to, to ring out a driver that makes $2 million a year racing. But I'm not going to sit here and bash a man who puts 80 hours a week into his craft and, and work, races at the local dirt track or, or even, even some, of the, some of the higher series guys, right? I mean, it's just the fact that you know that their hustle is different than Jeff Gordon's was, right? Like Jeff Gordon's at the upper right. salon to race, and we can cut up on him all we want to. It's not going to hurt Jeff Gordon's feelings. But if we sit around, we talk about Smokey Chris Madden or, or, or one of our local street stock guys, and we make bad math of them. Well, we're not utilizing our proper, our, 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 our proper place, right? We're, we're here to uplift right. things, make it better. And, and if people could just realize that that tool could be used the same way for them that we use it, I think it would make social media so much better, correct? Right. Absolutely. Too many trolls out there. Somebody always wanting to get the uh, the last aha. You know, it's, it's such a ha-ha world, right? Like, ah, oh, there you are. Ha-ha, found you. <laughs> you know? Well, ha-ha. you know, and, and again, it, it goes back to... It goes back to, a, you know, a generalization and, you know, generalizing is not always a good thing, but, you know, what do you want from life? Are you that miserable that you want to make everybody else around you miserable or do you want to be happy? And to do so, you need to be positive and be a light to somebody else. And I think, you know, a lot of times some of the complaints that people have mentally are warranted, right? Everybody has a reason, has a right to displace their their pleasure. They're mad at something. They have the right to speak to that. I would never want to cut that out from somebody. And you know what? I believe this as well. A good owner, a good promoter, they're going to ignore that shit anyway, right? They're not going to worry about what the person says, especially if they know that they are doing the right thing. But we get so caught up in this butthurt mentality, this caring mentality, and all this that, you know, I think it should all be done for entertainment purposes. I don't think that we should judge any of it with a grain of salt, but unfortunately, there are some who can't separate that, and and, and I feel for those, I do. And I can see how it destroys businesses, especially once uh, the parade begins. And, you know, we just want to we uplift these places, right? And like I said, right, Ms. Lee, we've all watched college football. We've all gotten mad at the refs because we feel like they're for the other damn team. And then, and, and, But what happens the next game, right? We're all sitting right back at the same seat. Why don't we have that same mentality in racing? I don't know. I mean, I do. But, I I mean, that's why I'm watching racing every weekend. Yeah, I get angry. I I get ticked off, but you still find me back in front of the television the next week or going to a race. 
Right. So, so like I the last two weekends in a row. I think part of it's generational. Right. We ain't got nothing else to do, so we'll just bitch and complain. It's the first time in our society that we've had nothing to do. Like, I think for millions of years, all we ever tried to do was survive, right? Now we have a little bit a little bit of survival underneath us. We have a power. You know, look, we don't just go downhill in one day most of the time. It starts with the, it starts with the eviction note. <laughs> That's when you know shit's starting to go downhill. When you get the eviction notice, you're like, okay, wait a minute. I better, I better make some better life choices, right? Because I'm going to wind up out of, you know, or your power gets cut off or something like that. There's there's some point in time where you get it together and you say, hey, wait a minute. I don't need to become homeless. It's <laughs> like there, there's no, there, you know, that, that's a hard heel to come back from. And hey, I, I mean, in my younger age, in my early 20s, late teens, I could have probably claimed to be homeless. Uh, I know how that is. But, um, you know, you try not to go down that hill, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, it, somehow or another that relates to this topic that we're talking about. <laughs> well, so, you know, you want, you want to – oh, go ahead, Taz. Yeah. Is Taz in? Uh-oh. So I got to bring him up? Uh, no. I heard him for a second. Well, you know, my my studio screen can be messed up at times. Um, I don't want to refresh it too many times. Taz, let us know as soon as you uh, you come on. That way we can get you uh, plugged in. I can't. I'm gonna have to leave it on the studio screen, so I'm not gonna be able to look and see what. Uh, wait a minute. I'll just pull out the other phone. But uh, um, what 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 were you saying, Miss Lee? I think we were gonna finish this up. Oh, I was I was actually just going to start moving on. Yeah, yeah, like because we have a lot to talk about this weekend. Obviously, Atlanta, uh, one hot Atlanta, right? Um, Love the racing. I think the Xfinity race was cool. Uh, the mid uh, mid Ohio race, where the trucks, I guess, were at where the IndyCar venue uh, was this. Oh my weekend, I didn't to really watch the IndyCar. I didn't get to see the end of the truck race. As a matter of fact, I know I can't even tell you who won uh, the truck race uh, because I had left to go to the racetrack, and I don't believe I ever went back and caught up on that. So uh, that'll be uh, news to me uh, if, if somebody has who, who won uh, that truck race. But uh, the Xfinity race and the Cup race, man, we got a lot to talk about there. And uh, let's just dive right on into it. Uh, obviously, Willie B slips and slides into or spins and slides into victory uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, a very controversial uh, talk about wanting to throw the orange through the TV. Um, uh, I don't know about you, Miss Lee, but I felt like we could have gone back racing there for a few laps. I think that, they, you know, obviously the rain did come down. I don't know how you feel about it. But uh, you know, there was a whole lot of uh whole lot of raindrops on one or two race cars, but not on thirty four other ones. So uh uh what were your thoughts on the you know, basically the spin and win. Like Hendrick has done this so well so many times 
It's a spin and a win. How do you do it that many times? Well, because we because we were chatting during the race, you all know how I feel. Um, I felt that NASCAR dropped the ball. They did not have to run all those caution laps before they decided to call it. They could have run a few more laps, at least a few more laps. Um, once it did start raining and I heard there was lightning, I was like, well, okay, yeah, that's fine. But why all those caution laps in between? That's, that is what really got my goat. Separate tabs on real quick. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, as I felt the same way, Miss Lee. Uh, Tass, do you want to join in? Sure. What do you got? Yeah, we're talking. Well, we're talking about uh, uh, you know the spin and the win. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Willie B takes a gamble, stays out. Okay. And uh, it gets them the race win. Uh, obviously, Taz Taylor, you and I picked Brett Keselowski. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, uh, how that, you know, parlayed into Willie B uh, winning uh, this race. Um, a spin and a win. Like, Hendrick's been able to do this for so many years now. It was, you know, was Rudy, did Rudy put the math together and say, hey, you know, if we spin here, then we'll create a new pit cycle because, you know, obviously, people knew that the weather was on the way, right? Uh, I mean, conspiracy theories, this or that. fact of it is, Willie B spins. He Vortex wins. theory. I mean, gosh. Can we please? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, Rudy Fugel and William Byron seem to be a good pairing because, obviously, uh, William Byron has as many wins in one season as he does in his entire career so far. Um, that was one set I found earlier today. But anyways, um, you know, it makes it always makes you wonder, because they said at the beginning of the race that weather was going to be coming in. So obviously they are all trying to, you know, not only get the laps in, but also uh, crews and drivers are trying to figure out um, their best, where they're sitting and how can they get to the front as quick as possible without ruining the entire field. So, I mean, there was a lot more aggressive driving, but at least for the most part, it was, everyone kept it clean. Uh, then you got, but I mean, you, you got to sit there and wonder how can, uh, the field, or how would the field race if weather wasn't even a factor? Like, would all this, like, would we be even talking this kind of strategy if weather wasn't a factor, you know? Right, right. Obviously, you know, there was without a doubt that rain was going to come, though. And it just kind of, you know, just, you know, Willie didn't even knock the fenders in his car when he, when he had that spin. I don't know. It's just always a conspiracy. This really, what this I want this to do is open the door up to talk about what Brad Keselowski did, right? Because Brad was over the radio, and I believe the crew chief had asked Brad whether or not he wanted to come pit or stay out. And Brad said, "We got to think about the big picture here. We got to think about 
if the rain doesn't come. Well, and I feel like that was the factor of the race, right? As a big team in a little pond such as Hendricks, right? Only a few people can really contend for week-to-week wins, right? Only a team like the Hendrick can back into win the way that they do sometimes. Um, you know, did Brad Keselowski miss that call? Because as a smaller team sitting 12th, 13th in points, that win could be critical of him making the playoffs. And, and you know, like we've seen Richard Childress over the last few years before this year take those types of gambles being that understanding that they're small fish in a big pond and wins are important. So you get them any way that you can. If it means taking that risk and staying out, then that's what you do. I feel like that was the call of the race guys. And I want your opinion. I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with you, Miss Wood. Well, I like the, um, uh, thing that got posted in our chat about, um, how Brad is now uh, agreeing that the vortex theory has some validity. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, well, first of all, my biggest complaint, and I understand it's Atlanta, it's hot, but a 7 p.m. start on a Sunday night on a non-holiday weekend blows my mind, okay? So there's that. Then you have the factor that, oh, we know rate or weather could possibly be a factor in this. So if that's the case, why did we not bump the start time up a little bit? You know, they've done it before. You know, could they have bumped it up 15 minutes? You know, I know TV coverage, blah, blah, blah. But, hey, you know weather's potentially an issue, so you bump the start time up 15 minutes, 30 minutes if you can, you know, whatever. Um, so as far as the differing teams making differing calls, I agree with Brad. you got to look at the big picture. You got to give. You, you've got to gamble, and sometimes gambling pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Taz, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, obviously, Brad was in favor of going to pit, where I believe his crew chief was actually in favor of him staying out. Um, Taz, uh, did you catch that in the broadcast there? Because that was actually played on live TV. Uh, where Brad Keselowski was uh, having that conversation with his crew chief. Yeah, I caught that. And you really think about it, had the race probably gone about another five, maybe ten laps, you got to sit there and think, would the cars that finished in front of Brad really last as long as they did? So, like, would William Byron, McDowell, well, definitely McDowell wouldn't have, but would Almondinger, Byron, and a couple, uh, I believe Suarez, too, was in that same strategy. Would they have lasted as long versus somebody like uh, Brad uh, and a couple of those behind They were about them. to run out of gas. Well, McD- I don't know how McDowell didn't run out of gas when they're on those caution laps, but, hey, <laughs> he managed. But 
Yeah, I mean, if they had went back green, those guys were sitting ducks. It was literally that type of gamble. It was no different than Justin Haley's gamble. You know, um, just, you know, lucky people were on different pit cycles and about to run out of gas. And had they gone back green, Keselowski would have probably passed them before they even got to turn three. That's how fast that number six was all night long. Right. But the thing is with the RFK cars, I'm noticing too, is that ever since Brad has come over to that team and helped out Chris Busher, you've noticed Chris Busher has also gotten better with these uh, super speedway style races. So it makes, and we all know how much of a super speedway racer that Brad is. And Brad always shows up to these races playing chess in a checkers game. And he has that mentality and that certain driving style. And I feel like he's given Busher a couple of those pointers because it seems like Busher's kind of playing the same strategy as Brad was if you really think about it, because those two stuck together for like 95% of that race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were top two, top three, right? I mean, that was what it seemed to be. RFK knew that they needed uh, to stay in front of the wreck, and that was by being in those top three positions. Yeah, it was just a tremendous effort uh, by RFK. It's so sad that they did not, they were not able to capitalize on such a great run. Uh, this was RFK's night, and unfortunately, it got stolen by the kid that I told y'all a couple of years ago was going to have a breakout season. I'm a couple of years late, okay? But Willie B has won four races this year, matching his career total. Talk about a breakout year. Talk about solidifying yourself in the top four, right? Uh, And that's something that I want to discuss here in just a minute as well. Who are top fours that are going to be, right? So I did listen to a little bit of of Denny Hamlin's podcast. I did listen to uh, Door Bumper Clear. So, I mean, I've got some things to work with. Uh, But um, definitely uh, Willie B has now uh solidified himself i believe as a top contender right taz we do the uh hot picks every tuesday night and we've you know basically willie b has been one of those drivers i think has been picked the most in our driver pool right because everybody's picking him every week right um yeah well you know they didn't nobody got him nobody got him this week shockingly but I mean, as much as we don't really have, like, a big three like we've had with a Gen 6 car, it seems like there's that top handful that top handful of drivers that not only are we putting in the favorite column, but they're also getting picked by somebody in the pool. I mean, yeah, there's those couple races where wild card races, like you could say road courses, um, even super speedway races that – People have thrown in, you know, some underdogs or and whatnot. But for the most part, it's been – there's been that same handful. There's no true big three. But if there was, Willie B would be right there. Yeah, as you start looking at who the, who the four are, the favorite going into, um, you know, the, the championship, uh, Willie B has to 
has to be seated in one of those chairs. It is a game of musical chairs. I, I think there's only five or six guys that are really in contention for a championship. Of course, we could see that seventh guy enter the fold. We still have enough time in the season to watch a driver get hot. We've seen Kevin Harvick last year win two races in a row. Uh, there is still a chance for maybe um, a Denny Hamlin uh, to get red hot or possibly uh, an Alex Bowman run, even a Chase Elliott run. Um, you know, uh, as, as I pull in guys from these uh, bigger manufacturers. But we could also say that Ryan Blaney, right, or, or Joey Logano could be adding their name to the mix as well and, and getting a hot streak. So, you know, there is six guys capable at this point in time of going down to uh, Phoenix and running uh, for a championship, which six those may be. If we could probably argue it. Definitely the one that we wouldn't argue would be Willie B. Miss Lee. Um, I just wanted to throw in there something that I brought up in our chat Sunday, and um, that's about Alex Bowman. And I questioned if perhaps Alex isn't um, a little bit fearful since his sprint car accident. Um, And y'all kind of poo-pooed me on that one. But I wanted to bring up the fact that um, I was watching Race Hub today, and Drew Blickensdorfer made a comment talking about Alex Bowman. And he said that he... They were predicting who who could potentially win future races before the playoffs. And uh-huh. Bowman was, was one of the drivers. And he made the comment that it appears that Bowman is getting more comfortable in the car since his accident. So I just, I, I just found it very interesting that there was somebody else out there who was thinking along the same lines as myself. Well, and it's interesting that you say that, Ms. Lee, because Bowman was actually leading the points when he got injured. Uh, so that kind of, you know, he was uh, he was at the top of his game, right? And we were all questioning whether or not how he would return from his concussion uh, the year before, started out hot. Um, can he get that turn back on? Can he get that, uh, can he get that hot streak? He's got to have a couple wins. He's got to get a win definitely to be in uh, for a championship conversation. Uh, the, the, but, the, you know, it's definitely not too late either. The question is, is his heart there? Is he fearful? There's kind of this question lingering, both Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. Tess, uh, do you want to hear right. that? Well, the Chase Elliott franchise? Well, in, in regards to in regards to him, as far as uh, you know, coming back from his his injury, along with you know Bigger Bowman shot. coming back from his injury, and yes, I caught that, Taz. So I feel like between Bowman and Chase, they had two different incidents, right? Chase was on the snowboard versus Bowman was in a race car. Granted, Bowman, I feel like Bowman could be a, 
I can understand where you're coming from in the sense, Miss Leah, in terms of where Bowman could be uncomfortable um, or be a little hesitant because he doesn't want to run into the same situation and have another back problem. But I feel like at the same time, I feel like I don't know why Bowman would be hesitant in my opinion, because, I mean, he was in a sprint car versus a cup car, and I get that he doesn't want to injure himself with these cup cars, but if you look at the Ryan Blaney incident, what was it, a week, two weeks ago, where he smacked literally a straight-up wall, and he walked away with luckily nothing, whereas if we look in the last year and a half with these next-gen cars, I'm sure Blaney would be out for a number of weeks with a concussion. Uh, I mean, it seems like maybe NASCAR finally got something on the right note in terms of improving safety on the next gen. But maybe the hesitation could be he doesn't want to injure himself again, being that last year he missed a handful of races and this year he's already missed that same handful. I mean, it's a significant injury, guys. A back injury is something that will haunt you absolutely you for the rest of your life. Um, I suffer a major back injury. I'm afraid of jumping. I, I'm afraid of jumping down. I'm afraid of falling. Um, I'm afraid of getting jarred. Something stopping me very quickly. Um, once once back right. pain starts, I say, you know, it, it it ended whether we want to admit it or not. It ended Jeff Gordon's career. Like, the reason why Jeff Gordon was ready to get out of the race car is because his back continuously hurt, and it's, it's documented. Um, so, you know, Alex Bowman, uh, you know, uh, with the type of injury that he suffered, he's probably, you know, Eric Amarola, ask him how, how his, his career has been affected since, right? Um, we're looking at a young guy who's uh, trying to retire, tried to retire but a couple of times already. You can also look at <laughs> um, you can also look at Dale Jr. with his head injuries, and maybe Bowman's, you know, probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. Between his head and his back, there is something wrong there, right? And it's uh, both of those could be long-lasting, uh, career-threatening injuries. I, I feel like we should put medical tape on, on Alex Bowman uh, because he's going to continue to probably get hurt. Um, and that's something that I'm not sure – uh, it, it, you know, Hendricks taking into play or consideration right now, but it, it will definitely be a problem if it happens again. I'm not saying a problem as in it's going to be a problem for Alex Bowman, right? It's going to be a problem in keeping him in a top-tier ride and being a, a big-time sponsor behind it. That's going to be the issues that that, uh, that can fall for Alex Bowman if he can't get that hot streak going, if he can't get comfortable back in a race car. I personally have not right. watched Alex Bowman really, really through. So I, I, I really, I'm going to have to pay more attention on how he's actually racing this week. And and if I'm asking these questions as a fan and a medical professional, okay, don't you think that his sponsors and his team are also questioning the same things? Uh, for sure. For sure. And it's, and it's in a doubt not only in their minds, but his mind as well. I mean, until he gets that win, well, it's going to continue and to that, doubt. And, and uh, that's, because, where, that's where it ultimately needs to be conquered is in 
Alex's mind. He's got to make the decision, okay, is it to my advantage to continue this with the potential that I could end up with a life-altering injury, okay? Or does he say, you know what, screw it. I love what I'm doing, and I'm going to do it regardless. He's got to figure out which end of that spectrum he's on, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's big decisions over there. I think there's a lot of silly season uh, decisions left up that we haven't even discussed yet. Like, there's, you know, we got late in the season last year, uh, the Tyler Reddick thing, right, uh, that, that he was going to go to uh, Toyota or whatever, right? Well, maybe that was kind of the beginning of the year. I guess well, I'm not, I'm not even stuff. talking – but I'm not even talking silly season stuff, Chris. I'm talking about – this has got to be, if Alex wants to continue a career and, and, and continue to have a successful career, he's got to conquer his fears and move on. Or he's got to decide that this is too much of a risk for me. It, it's time for me to find another role within racing that isn't going to put me at this this level of risk. Because yeah, I nobody don't, wants to see I Bowman go drive for Rick Ware. Well, you know, I don't know if it's even that or if it's, you know, like I said, finding another role in racing, being a driver coach or, you know, so, something along those lines where he's not actually driving the car but still active in racing because he's, you know, focus he's a young his, guy. Focus on his sprint car team. Yeah. Right. Well, Father builds yeah. uh, chassis, uh, like midget chassis or something like that in the Midwest or Arizona or somewhere in that area. I don't have all the information, but uh, I do know that he's, uh, that's kind of how he got his mark in racing. Uh, his dad builds midgets, I believe, in Arizona. But, I mean, you know, hey, Alex Rowe's always been kind of a question mark career. Um, he wasn't uh, somebody that, you know, we – proclaimed to be a superstar when he first showed up. Um, you know, it took uh, Dale Jr. Um, basically passing the torch to him, uh, putting that vote of confidence in him. Um, unfortunately, as so many other young athletes, um, injury has plagued his career. And if, if it continues to plague his career, uh, he will definitely have to look at other alternatives. You know, and, and he's had a a great career uh, for most people's standards, right? I mean, he, he went from, you know, racing, running around with Tommy Baldwin and DK Racing to the best organization in NASCAR, and he's been a proven winner. So, it, you know, it would also not be thankful if uh, – Yeah, yeah. He's been put in some pretty high, uh, you know, uh, high-risk, uh, high-reward situations so and prevailed at that so, well um, and 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 I have nothing I have nothing against Alex Bowman I was a cheerleader for him from when Dale Jr. brought him in and brought him up you know so th- this is this is coming 
my opinions are coming out of concern for him as a person and as a driver, you know, what what else can he do besides drive? Right, right. Well, I'm sure there will be a spot for him somewhere within the Hendrick organization. I mean, he's a... Uh... He is a Hendrick guy. Um, this guy, you know, I mean, he, he hasn't driven for any of the other top flight uh, organizations. Right, and like I, as far as like I'm concerned, I said, you know, maybe, maybe he becomes a he driver coach. That. You know, maybe he becomes a driver coach for, you know, their Xfinity cars or something. You know, there's definitely, there is definitely a place for him within racing. There's no doubt about that. But, He's got to make the decision whether he wants to continue as a driver or not. And if he's going to continue as a driver, then he needs to go all in and and let that fear go or that trepidation, whatever it is, and, you know, embrace that. Yeah. I read the dictionary on my my off time. Um, Yeah, whatever. But yeah, so that's so that's I I just I just needed to bring that up because like I said, the way you guys kind of poo pooed what I said, you know, in in our chat. But you know, there's obviously other people out there thinking the same thing I was. You know, I've heard this poo pooed expression on by Jason McIntyre on Colin Coward, uh, Rob Parker, Rob Parker. He does the poo-poo analogy. I, I've never, honestly, ever just sat around and just waited to use the poo-poo analogy. But I'm glad that it was used finally on on our on our show. Um, and I now, guess um, I'll you, have to go back Chris, to my thread. And, Chris, <laughs> who laid the poo-poo? It is, yeah. Chris, understand, <laughs> it is P-O-O-H, P-O-O-H. It just means that you kind of pass over it or ignore it or, or you know, kind of belittle it. Right. Well, um, it's, I it, must it's not, it's not the and other. And I would definitely be interested in that topic because it always goes back to my favorite thing that I love to talk about, that silly season. Because if Alex Bowman has to vacate that ride, then I am the guy who wants to predict who the hell is going to sit in that seat. And uh, right now, it just would not probably come out of uh, out of Dale Jr.'s uh, crop of drivers. Um, it would probably be a free agent signing, and you know, you just haven't had to, the capabilities of looking that far down the road. Though I am happy to say that silly season is heating up, and we're going to get some things moving, and we're going to know some things real, you know, uh, sooner than later, right? Because look, there's some news on the table. That Bush beer has now left. Bush has now left Stuart Haas Racing, as reported on DBC, and they have officially signed with Ross Chastain, who drives like a drunken sailor any damn way. So, like, you know, I thought the match made in heaven was Bush beer with Bush Kyle Bush Motorsports or Bush Kyle Bush, but no, 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 no. Them crazy fools over in Anheuser Busch who literally sunk a company in three months. Uh, yeah, they've done it again. Oops, I did it again. They signed the drunken sailor. 
Uh, the guy drives like a drunken idiot half the time. Uh, Ross Chastain, welcome your new sponsor. Now he's going to have to be peed before he even gets in the race car. Jesus, what was Bush thinking? Uh, Miss Lee, I know you're what ready for this What was Bush one. thinking? No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was Trackhouse thinking? Oh, my gosh. Now they're going to give this guy beer? Why on earth would you want to affiliate yourself with that company, with their stock tanking the way it is, and their reputation so soured all across the country. That's so beer's always been soured. But <laughs> oh I, well, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that. But, hey, I drank actually, a lot of Bush growing up because it was cheap. Right, right. I mean, Bush has been around, and has her Bush, has been around in NASCAR for longer than any other company. And they've really been around that long in NASCAR. They've really right. supported NASCAR that long. So this yes, may be yes, the only have. saving grace. This may be the only saving grace. But the watermelon, man? I mean, now we're going to mix beer and watermelon? What? Um, I mean, you can't I mean, can infuse alcohol with watermelon, to be fair. Oh yeah, vodka and watermelon. That's what. That's who they should have gone for. Was was uh, Dixie vodka or somebody like that? Right. Rather than Crown Royal. Ah, whiskey and watermelon. I don't know. Vodka and watermelon goes very well together. But yeah, you're right. Bush Anheuser Bush has been around racing for a very very long time. And the Bush brand is not necessarily associated with the whole Bud Light controversy. But Anheuser-Busch in general, I mean, I I wouldn't want to hitch my boat to their trailer right now. Right. Well, I mean, their beer was one of the leading top brands in the beer world. And now they're not. They're not they're telling what it does to the actual company, right? I mean, you're taking a top three beer and you're knocking it down below the top ten even. So that's got to be like, you know, ripping your sales chart right out of the dang uh, 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 computer console, right? I mean, because, it, look, I mean, the money's got to be – the money is made from the sales of this certain beer. Not really a Bush. Bush is a poor man's beer. It's the it's the rugged man's beer. Bud Light was always and, uh, the frat party beer. You know, it was the it was it was and you uh, know what? it was the the mohawk and the and the and the mullet beer. And you know what? Suarez would be wise right now to try to go after Modelo as a sponsor. They have overtaken Anheuser Busch as the number one beer in America, and that would capitalize him being Mexican and the first Mexican-American driver, whatever, that would be such a sweet sponsorship deal. I, I, I'm honestly, I think there would be a non-compete clause uh, because those two sponsors probably can't be in-house together. But what I could see 
I think Corona is distributed by Budweiser, so maybe a Corona, you know, as we stick to the uh, the in Mexico uh, theme here, uh, Corona, right? Corona Light, right? Corona Light and Bush Light. I think that sounds like a good idea. Uh, but and also you hit on that uh, uh, where it, Big Dixie uh, Vodka, which is owned by Big Machine Records, which I believe is connected to Pitbull. So uh, that's the way to pull something out of the air, Ms. Lee. Very, very interesting that you connected the dots on that one. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> Taz, what are your thoughts? Obviously, this is bone crushing for uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Hopefully, we'll get an announcement. The Bass Pro Shops has decided to uh, sponsor Josh Berry. I, that's what I'm hearing. That's what, I, what, that's what I believe is happening. But this has significant value to why Bush would want to leave SHR, why they would not embrace a young driver like Josh Berry, how they wound up at Ross Chastain's doorstep. I know you've got a strong opinion, Tad. Let's hear it. I'm still waiting on the custom jar, too, buddy. We haven't gotten to the right topic yet. <laughs> well, well, maybe that's next. All right, well, sorry. I, with Chastain and Trackhouse and Bush deal, I mean, it's a, I see it as props to them, being that they've got a big-name sponsor like Bush. But at the same time, did they really need a big-name sponsor like them? It's not like they were getting a plenty of sponsorship to begin with. But like I said, I give Trackhouse props. They got a big-name sponsor, and the downfall is Stuart Haas Racing. Now you got to sit here and think, who's Josh Berry's main sponsor, or sponsors, I should say, at this point? Since uh, SHR right. lost a big one that they've had loyal for a number of years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, but, you know, it's, again, a, it's a great game. My track house, but it's such but a heavy again, loss. My store house. Go ahead. What, I'm sorry. What's, what's going to happen? What's Smithfield going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, wow. with, with Eric... I'm going to see it as they stay with Eric Almarola until Almarola maybe leaves, but who knows? Maybe they might be committed to another driver. But the only thing I could see with Josh Berry, he might drag, um, he might drag Bass Pro Shop. I mean, Tony Stewart's got Bass Pro Shop for SRX, so I mean, there could be that deal. Uh, Berry could probably, it may hurt Junior Motorsports in this sense. But I could see Stuart Haas and Josh Berry somehow grabbing tire pros. Well, you know, we have the on-again, off-again retirement of Eric. Could um, Smithfield potentially go with Berry? I can definitely see that. But as I heard, as I said, our Bass Pro Shops, I believe, is uh, uh, the sponsor that is intended for Josh Berry. The question mark is the 10 car. Does he return? Does Smithfield Bacon return? Um, 
and how significant that could be as well for Stuart Haas in the future. Look, you've got Ryan Priest over there. He doesn't even have a top 10 finish this year, right? A couple of good runs, not even a top 10 finish this year. Kevin which Harvick can't finish because, Which sucks for a race. Because, I mean, because he's a short track guy, so you would think short track, and I guess you could say road courses, kind of favor him. Right. Yeah. But at the same time Hello? with oh, okay. But I mean like I don't know. I it's hard to say because yeah, Ryan Priest has the talent, but could, is he going to perform the same way if you put him in the 4 card? Is the 41 really that bad? Because, I mean, Cole Custer was in that ride, didn't do much. I feel like he's done a little bit more than Priest has. And maybe we've given Custer more crap than Priest. But at the same time, you had Kurt Busch in that car, um, who has won more races in the 41 than uh, Custer has. You also have, uh, who else was in there? Oh, you you had Daniel Suarez. So, I mean... I don't know. Is that car really a fourth tier car? Or are we just seeing the lack of driver ta- talent? I'm kind of mixed on this one. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just all around organizational issues with Stuart Oz Racing. We're not talking about Briscoe. We're not talking about Priest. We're not talking about Amarola. These guys are struggling, right? The only guy that we're talking about is Harvick, and I think it's because it's his retirement union. And uh exactly. and, you know, he's got riding shoulders. <laughs> I mean, but if you but if you look at the whole Stuart Haas team, it's Kevin Harvick who's I know the last few weeks he's finished outside the top ten. And I I know I throw that out there because that may affect people's picks this week, but at the same time it may not. But anyways, um it's, if you look at the standings, it's Harvick sitting towards the top. The other three are, you know, dragging the weight down. And last time we saw something like this was Hendrick with Jimmy Johnson. The only difference between Hendrick and Stuart Haas in this case um, is that Stuart Haas has another veteran in Eric Almarola, whereas Hendrick had three young guns ready to come through just needed, I guess, just needed that veteran spotlight to get away. Stuart Haas only has Briscoe, you can argue Priest, maybe Cole Custer in that factor, but I, you can't, I want to say SHR has that curse that Hendrick went through, but at the same time, I can't, you can't really say it exactly. Well, I honestly would love to see Martin Truex Jr. over at Stuart Haas Racing, and it would be a great fit. You wouldn't have to. You would have a sponsor, you know, basically two sponsors on the car, uh, Bass Pro Shops, and uh, maybe even Smithfield. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I feel like Martin Truex could really help Stuart Haas with that veteran driver, 
Like everybody would look up to Martin. Yeah, they, um, they, they would, definitely uh, need they definitely need a, a a veteran over there. Especially if Tony's not in house. But well, who's, who's running? Look at, it. look at it this way, right? You guys want to say put a veteran in there, but when Hendrick got rid of that veteran and they put in Kyle Larson, yeah, Kyle Larson was in um, was in the Cup Series for a few years, but he was in subpar. It's still and obviously still young. Has plenty of years, like Chase Elliott, Byron, and uh, Bowman, for instance. But you got rid of Johnson, you put in Larson, and boom, the team is coming back to where we have been used to seeing Hendrick for years and years and years. Now, in this case, Stuart Haas, you get rid of Harvick, but you put in a young gun like Josh Berry, Kay, but you still have a veteran in Eric Almarola. So, I mean, they're not... So I don't think throwing in Martin Truex Jr. will really do him much of anything because Truex is only a very short-term deal. Versus if you look at Hendrick, they signed the young upcoming drivers pretty much when everybody else had a career. I mean, Chase Elliott came in when Gordon left. Um, Bowman came in when Junior left. Byron came in. Um, when Casey Kane was out. And then Larson came in after Johnson left. Mm-hmm. Yep. Reload. I think Stuart Haas' problem is... I think Stuart Haas's problem is a lack of leadership because... Tony is not there day to day. Tony's off doing his thing with the NHRA and, and, you know, running Eldora. The Millions is this weekend, as well as Kings Royal, by the way. Um, But, yeah, I think since Tony took a less active role in SHR, I think that is where things started to tumble. Yeah, and Gene Haas is, you know, being Gene Haas. He's either with his F1 team or at a shop. I don't know. Gene Haas is uh, probably uh, the richest man in NASCAR. And he's never been one to be known to be at the shop. So, um, I did see where uh, Corey LaJoy is in talks for re-signing with Spire. And Spire said that their uh, yeah. charters are not for sale. I've heard LaJoy is going to be re-signing with Spire on a multi-year extension. I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, right now, where's LaJoy really going to go? There's no – at the moment, there's no available top rides. And Spire, outside of outside of Go Fast Racing, before they went dormant, uh, Spire's been 
a basic believer of Corey LaJoy. Mm-hmm. And it should, and it obviously shows because Fire in the seven card, they've obviously moved up the ladder some. And Fire in the 77, regardless if it's a full-time or part-time car, well, it's always been a full-time car. It's just a matter of do they have, like, five, six drivers here in the one seat, or is there a full-time driver in that car? That 77 car ain't performing worth jack crap. Yeah. Is Todd Dillon that bad? (laughs) I don't think he's really that bad. I mean, look at Jermaine. That was a one-car team. And there was, I think it was, what was it, the year uh, Jermaine left or the year before where Ty Dill- at certain places Ty Dillon was actually running in the front that wasn't really super speedway races. I think it was a couple, I want to say it was a short track or Dover, somewhere around those kind of tracks, I believe. Yeah, Ty's great spider. Yeah, uh, Spire needs a little bit more work uh, before they get to the top. Look, you know, when we're talking about potential owners coming into the sport, I think Spire, Rick Ware, and possibly like Polyg Racing, Car Road Motorsports, those are the those are the possible. In other words, I don't believe we're going to see somebody come in and just create a whole new infrastructure. So one of these teams are going to be the beneficiary of a new ownership coming in, possibly a Dale Jr. or um, even bigger, uh, you know, even uh, maybe a, a Andretti. Um, and, and I just don't ex- – I don't see expansions amongst new teams. I, I see buy-ins to basically what RFK has done, right, because we see the results. Keselowski uh, Racing – uh, when Brad Keselowski come on board, it completely changed how uh, we were viewing uh, Roush Fenway. Um, and, and they continue to move it in the right direction. We see what Denny Hamlin did by creating a satellite team to Joe Gibbs Racing, the, you know, the, the early success. We look at Trackhouse, who bought into a race team already there, Jim Ganassi. So, you know, we're all waiting for the next ownerships to come along and create uh, a new race team. But I believe what we're going to see is something similar to like Jim, what Jimmy Johnson did. He bought into a race team. What do you guys think about that? Are we looking at Spire as maybe a future junior motorsports, like as a partner or maybe uh, an Andretti coming in, even possibly somebody bigger? Um, I'll let uh, I'll let y'all shoot it from the hip. I, if, if I'm going to see an Andretti in NASCAR, it's going to be Marco Andretti running full-time. Well, regardless, I don't know what series. Obviously, he's only ran Xfinity and trucks. Although, he did say he had a blast running in the truck series. So, that could be a possibility. But, if the stars align, right, he could line up with a subpar uh, Xfinity team and actually perform. That's the only way I can see an Andretti in NASCAR at this point in time. Well, it's been rumored for years that Andretti wanted to get into NASCAR. They also are making a bid to be in Formula One. So I'm not I'm not sure that that's too far-fetched 
but we're definitely seeing interest amongst teams that are wanting to get involved, right? They're, they're wanting to be in cup racing. Uh, with uh, Spire Motorsports saying we do not have a charter for sale, that is saying that somebody has drawn interest into whether or not they are selling their charter. So uh, we are not selling our charter, but we would love a partnership. Is that what they're saying, Ms. Lee? Well, you know, we've seen how sponsorships are coming and going these days. We've seen new teams in track house, 2311. Um, you know, people are, I think, a little more cautious in the past several years about where they're investing their money. Some of them are saying, yeah, NASCAR looks pretty good. Others are saying, no, we're done. I mean, look at Mars. Mars pulled out after how many years as, as a major sponsor in the series? You can say Lowe's the so, that too. Yeah. You know, so you if I were an investor, I would be extremely cautious right now. I would consider NASCAR, but I wouldn't be jumping the gun to just jump head first into it. Um you know, look at, just to throw that out there, look at the, the, the talks about maybe drawing another manufacturer in and how that's gone back and forth over the past several years. Look at the, uh, yeah, I, want to, I want to throw in another thing. Look at the talk of, you know, if you guys remember this wild, crazy idea NASCAR was going to try, Look at the wild idea um, NASCAR threw in last year of having a an elect an all electric uh, six race <clears throat> series, and then that went down the toilet. And remember that all electric car test was supposed to happen at the LA Clash this past year or this past uh, January and February. That's right. Well, That's I, right. I, wow. That's a failure. Right. But, you know, here again, with the political climate as it is, I wouldn't throw that one out completely because, you know, such a big push for, you know, a lot of cars. So NASCAR was right to look into it. Maybe we decided it wasn't the right time. And that, that's cool, but that will be coming down the road. Um, but, yeah, you know, the smaller teams, yes, they do, need, they do need injections of money. They do need bigger names to help support them. But corporations look at things differently than we the people do. 
So right. I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily expect you know there's going to be a huge infusion of new names and 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 new money. I I think things are right now going to stay a little bit more of the same old same old unless you have visionaries out there who are, are, are still considering it. But I, right. I, I think we're going to see a lot, a lot more of the same old, same old, go, you know, at, at, at least for the near future. I mean, you're going to have 20 good teams. You're going to have 20 bad teams, right? The half full, the glass half full has to be somewhere, right? And so you're going to have 20 good teams. You're going to have 20 crappy teams. If you have four teams, and your possibility of one of your four teams being crappy is, is higher uh, than somebody with a two-car team. But four-car teams seem to be where the organizations are that dominate the most, the four-car teams. Um, even if it's something like Penske where they run sure three cars. That? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Joe Gibbs. Are you, Hendrick, have, did, you forget about, did you forget about our, about our power rankings a couple weeks ago? Well, RFK is doing amazing things with two cars, right? But and and, and once again, track if RFK would add a third car, or Trackhouse would add a third car, then they are then then they're dwindling their resources. Somebody's not going to have as good of equipment as the other guy, right? And that's just the way that it is, and that's the way it's always going to be. When you have three to four car organizations, somebody's getting the leftover part. I think when you have yes, two really always, good or right. there's always a redheaded <laughs> stepchild. You can afford two nice cars in the garage. Once you get to three and four, that's when uh that's when the repo man's sitting out across the yard, right? Uh you know, there's gonna be uh, there's gonna be issues um with the third and fourth car because you are extending your resources. You may have $40 million being pumped into your number one car. You may only have $10 being pumped into your number four car. Is it fair $40 million worth of parts and to take away from the $40 million sponsorship who is signed for this car to go put parts on the other car? No, that's not fair. If he's only bringing $10 million worth of sponsorship, then there's there's going to be things on that car that the other car, you know, has. Right, I mean, there's going to, there's not going to be things on that car anyway. I'm getting confused. Oh, goodness. And just, oh, just to throw this out, you know, we we all talk about Rick Ware Racing and how they're a lower tier team. And I look at Rick Ware Racing, and how many different series is he invested in? Four, five. It makes me wonder that if he took and and, and I've I've spoken with Rick Ware extensively. Then you know he was a regular. Then, then you know. Then you know. You know. Then you know that everything that he does is all for this one cup team, right? All of his other endeavors are just ways of building money for this, for his true passion. His true passion is NASCAR. That's why I'm such a hard time with people disking on the guy. Like, his true passion is NASCAR. I understand that. I understand that, Chris. I've I've talked with Rick Ware 
extensively. He used to be a regular on the show CJ and I did years ago. So, I, you know, I, I get that. But if he took all the money that he has invested in these other series, and I get what you're saying, but he, if he took all of that money and invested it strictly in his NASCAR team what what kind of difference could that make I think eventually that's where he's going to go I mean first of all the guy's sold two charters right he has four of them all together he's sold two of them right. he's already made it on the upwards right. of 20 million dollars we're seeing we're seeing his cars finish in the top 10 they're decent Speed with super speedway cars, they're, they're on the verge of being great super speedway cars. He's got Cole Custer in the 51 car, J.J. Yaley in the 15 car. You know you're getting one thing when you got Yaley in the race car, and that's somebody who's going to take care of your equipment and not overdo it, right? The guy's just coming off of a right. sixth-place finish or top-five finish here at Atlanta. So, I mean, you know, um, Rick, uh, I've, from the interviews and stuff that I've always heard from everything – he puts together is all to fund the NASCAR race team. That, that that's the that's where he is. He doesn't come from a mountain of money. His establishment has been created through all the little deals and stuff that he's basically built his empire with from being a sports car racer or and or um, a NASCAR race car driver. So um, that's uh, you know. The guy is passionate and he he's willing to put in. Uh, he is. Whether or not he can whether or not he can sell all these assets that he has and become a, a better uh race team, you know, I, I think there's there's a possibility later down the road of a possible merger with RFK. Um and, you know, being able to sell off one of those charters for twenty five million dollars and merge with RFK uh as as a third team. Could be uh, um, uh, something uh, that, that could be foreseen down the road. Um, yeah. One of these one of these organizations is going to go the route. If we get back to the topic, they're going to go the route that they've seen Ralph Fenway go, that they've seen Gene Haas go when he brought in Stewart, uh, that we've seen Denny Hamlin create with Michael Jordan. There's going to be another organization that says we have found our guy. Last year, it was Jimmy Johnson buying Legacy Motors Motor Club. This year, I'm not sure. Uh, you know where where that's going to come from. Um, I, you know, uh, Maury Gallagher's already made his moves. So, uh, who is next? Is it Spire? Obviously, when they're saying that they don't want to sell their charter, I believe that is an open invitation that they are looking for a partner. And and only time will tell whether or not they get that partner. All right. Um, what else do we have on the agenda here tonight? What, uh, Taz Taylor, I think you uh, you have a subject that you're wanting to get to. I mean, if you want to get to it. Yeah, I think I have something to do with the senior racing tour. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that? It's, it's kind of pushed my buttons a little bit. Well, this is supposed to be the superstar racing experience. And unfortunately, by some of the drivers that we've seen 
which I, I do have I do have kind of a favorite. I think my favorite race is going to be the first race where you've got Harvick and Hamlin and all these guys. Um, but uh, go ahead, uh, Tess. I know you're ready for this one. Well, the return of Thursday Night Thunder on ESPN, SRX will debut on ESPN this year. Uh, if I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on our shows here, but there was an interview that Kenny Wallace did, which he's a guest driver for two SRX races this year, uh, Thunder Road and Lucas Oil Speedway Dirt Track um, in Missouri. He'll be at those two races. But he did an interview on his YouTube channel with Don Hawk, who is the CEO of SRX, and also I believe he's still CEO of SMI. I could be wrong on that one, but anyway, um, Don Hawk mentioned that the idea of Thursday Night Thunder came around in the middle of last year's SRX series uh, racing. I think it was like I think it was like the third or fourth race of the season. And Tony Stewart, I guess, brought up to Hawk saying, let's bring in Thursday Night Thunder for next year. And they brought it to CBS's attention, um, obviously, after last season's racing action ended. And CBS tried anything they could uh, to make it work for SRX and Thursday Night Thunder. And unfortunately... um, with where SRX was trying to head um, and where CBS has a lot of their primetime shows um, during Thursday nights, it just did not work out. So then they went over and talked to ESPN, PN jumped board because I believe that's where Thursday Night Thunder uh, I believe that's where Thursday Night Thunder was to begin with. It was. So, so I give, so on that side, I mean, it sucks it's not on ES, or it sucks that it's not on CBS, um, but I do like that they're bringing back Thursday Night Thunder and they definitely brought it back through ESPN which helps ESPN in the sense of bringing some sort of motorsports coverage back to their side, being that um, ESPN basically dropped NASCAR a few years ago, if you really think about it. Um, But where conflicted on this is that for the East Coast side of this, you're going to get punished because of time-wise, if you think about it, because the races don't start till 9 p.m. Eastern. And think, their broadcast is two hours long. So you have to stay up. So if you want to watch a race in the East Coast, you have to go from 9 to 11 at wow. night. Wow, I didn't realize that. That's what, that's what DVR is for. <laughs> wow. Plus, I, right? plus I'm off on, I'm off on wow. Fridays regularly, so that's not a big deal for me. But here's now here's where I'm gonna start really freaking losing my mind because this is where the Open swear inner door. part of me 
Oh, yeah. Bring that out. Here we go. Ready? SRX is supposed to mirror IROC, right? In terms of you have color car for all 12 of your cars, right? So IROC back then, well, actually, the old IROC was always, um, each car was a different color. So you had a gold, basically a gold car, a green car, red car, blah, blah, blah. Then when IROC turned their liveries around, it was basically a white car, but the only thing that stuck out different was a piece of the livery um, was a different color. So it could be blue, green, red, yellow, whatever. SRX basically adapted the same thing. This year, however, they really entirely fucked this shit up. Whoa! Oh, whoa! Stop! The you got press. a square jar ready, right, Chris? <laughs> the M word coming out! Oh my God! We may get in trouble for that one. <laughs> Can you sit there and say, "Hey, Tony Stewart, sponsored by Bass Pro Shops in the black car"? Awesome! Cool! Great! And then. Helio Castroneves and Tony Kanawa, which, by the way, I looked into that. Those two do not race in any of the same races this year. So they'll be sharing a car. So I guess it's called the Brazilian Duo Car. And they got the sponsorship of Purdue University. Props to SRX for bringing in new sponsors such as Bass Pro Shops and Purdue. Those are two new sponsors they got. And I'll... Those are two new sponsors they got. What's the color of the Purdue car? Freaking black. Are you goddamn kidding me? So now we, when you have, when you're trying to bring in new fans, right, and say, and say, look, to, there's guys like Tony Stewart in a black car, and then you got Tony Kanan or Haley Kestrinevis also in the black car. People are gonna sit there like, oh, look at the black car go, and it's like, who's the driver of it? You don't fucking know. You know why? Because because you have different, you have different drivers driving the same damn black car. <laughs> Too many black cars. And, the, and, and here and here's the cherry on top, ready? Don't mess Stand up now. like Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> here's the cherry on top, ready? They announced another partnership uh, sponsorship deal in South Point, Las Vegas. Another new sponsor. Awesome, SRX. You're doing good. The downfall again. They get, I mean, they got Ryan Newman, Newman and Kevin Harvick. What's the color of this freaking car? Don't get too hard. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, go right the hell ahead. But it's black. It's black. It's, yeah, it's only black. So, hey, you get a black car, you get a black car, you get a black car. Everyone gets a black <laughs> car. Who's going to win the damn race? Oh, I don't no. know. Will it be a fucking black car? We're all fired. <laughs> over, over a fucking black car. <laughs> oh, and here's the icing on the cake in this one, right? Hold on. Hold on. Here's the icing on here's another icing on the cake, ready? Bobby Labani brings back sport clip for SRX. Wow. Awesome. I know, like, he's got the he's got he's got the is, car. Denny Hamlin doing a one-off race for SRX. What color is his car? He's got his FedEx sponsor, 
fucking white. Are you got being fucking kidding me? <laughs> so at Stafford, so at Stafford, we're gonna have four black cars and two white cars. Did you Ooh. forget about any other damn colors SRX this year? Nah. Where's the Apparently orange car? Day. Who's driving the orange car? Tony? There is, so, as far as we know, there's no orange car. No pink car either? You don't know what color cars have been announced or shown off? Bobby Labonte's got his white sport clips haircut car, which he had last year. Right. Right. Tony Stewart and a very popular, stupid, Fucking black car of Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> Kenny Wallace will be in a yellow Jegs car. Shocker. Okay, yellow. Right, yellow Jegs. Brad okay. Keselowski will be okay. in the blue Camping World car. Could have been a purple car. Brad Keselowski will be in the blue Camping World car. Do you remember the, that car last year that uh-uh. Ernie Francis, Haley Deegan, and Matt Kenseth all shared in last year? Yeah, yeah, Speaking yeah. of Haley Deegan, she goes with Good Sam in the red car. Uh, defending series champion Marco Andretti will be in the navy blue uh, Camping World car. And he has a number change. He's not 98 this year. He's a number one. Really? What? For the champion? Wow. And then, of uh, course, Marco. Then, of course, um, as I mentioned earlier, the Purdue Brazilian duo of Kestra Nevis and Kanan. And (laughs) and you guessed it, the stupid black car. Goodness gracious. And then then Kevin Harvick and, and Kevin Harvick and Ryan Newman in the South Point. Well, you fucking guessed it. It's a freaking black car. But it should be gold. It's South Point. That's what I said from the get-go. Why did Purdue pick – why did they pick a black car for Purdue? Why not go with the school colors? You could have went with that tan color or like a steel gray. They're the Boilermakers, right? Point could have went orange, but nah, let's throw that out the freaking window because nobody thought of that stupid brain idea. Um, I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick for South Point because if you if you look at their the cars they've sponsored in NASCAR have either been a dark brown or a black. Okay, so you could have used brown. That's a different color. They haven't used brown in the series history yet. Why not throw it out there? But no. Nope. Or Bass Pro could have changed black. their fucking colors. Black cars matter. Black cars matter. <laughs> I, I... FedEx, FedEx, <laughs> no, FedEx could have t- told, told Denny Hamlin, I know you drive a white car for the Cup Series, but, you know, we're going to change it to purple. That's a purple extra, car. Extra ride. But no, that's What's amazing about FedEx is you hardly even see them on. What is it? You hardly even see them on. Uh, on Dick Hamlin's car anymore. But my, but my my take is that you have twelve primary cars, right? 
So your 12 primary cards should all be different colors. You would freaking think. Because who would have thought of that bright idea? And then the backup card, which, which, I mean, there's four backup cards. I'm okay if they're, like, the same, like, if they're, like, the same color. Like, if you remember the last couple of years, um, I remember Ernie Francis went from a blue car and then he hopped in a backup car, which was black, right? And there was already a black primary car. I'm Like, that I'm okay with because the black car doesn't really, isn't really all that, or the black backup car isn't really all that well used, per se. Um, I think IROC kind of did that similar thing, too, um, when they were running it. I remember right in the later year, later stages of that series, but I mean, come on, you could have at least come up with twelve different colors. Shoot, you could have even has... incorporate incorporate the red, white, and blue camel thing that they had the season one for the local guys, and that's another thing. But anyways, go ahead, Miss Lee, before I go on rant on that one. Well, I I yeah. just want you to bring in your perspective as a race photographer as to why you feel so passionately about this? Well, when you take, as a photographer, you want, you obviously need the credit in who's in that photo, right? And for this particular case of why you need different colored cars, at least for your primary cars, Backup cars, I've, I've said what I said. They're, it's okay if you have a second black car or a second white car, whatever, because those are your backup cars. Nobody cares. They're not all that fancied out anyway. But for your primary cars, you want them in different colors because when you go out and credit and say, say and there's a three-car battle and you catch, say, for instance, um... Deegan, Keselowski, Kenny Wallace. Yeah, you're going to put in there what numbers they are. Like Keselowski's in the six, Deegan's in the five, Kenny Wallace in the 36. But you also want to emphasize the colors too. Keselowski's in the blue, Deegan's in the red, Wallace is in the yellow. But if you have a three-car battle and two of them are the same color, then how the hell are you going to freaking know? Right, right. No car identity. And I think that that was something – that we've seen in the beginning. It's interesting what you're about to say, Taz, about the next thing, because I've, I, I've, I've think that what you're getting on here is a business is changing as this series is evolving. First of all, I, I didn't know these cars needed sponsorships on them, right? I thought that uh, this was a TV deal, but now all of a sudden we're seeing car sponsors on these cars. And now, I believe that you're going to where's all the young guys at? Where's all where's the the track, right? Is that what you were going to? Where's the car that's supposed yeah, to be the, showing off? Where's the, yeah, where's the local all star feel? I mean, like your local track all star feel, like year one, right? Everham nailed it, minus the Nashville Fairgrounds finale race, but that's beside the point. Ray Everham nailed it in year one because at Stafford you had Doug Colby, who's a multi-time track champion at Stafford, has no has a huge number of laps there. You go to Knox, you go to Knoxville, and you had 
uh, Brian Brown, who's a track champion at Knoxville with the sprint cars. Um, you go to um, Eldora, and you grab, I think it was, I think his name was Cody Swanson, if I remember right. Uh, Correct. He wasn't. He wasn't really the true Eldora um, local kid, but I guess local enough because he's won Triple Crown races and stuff. Um, and then he had Bobby Santos, the local guy from Lucas Oil Raceway and uh, IRP, I should say. Um, then you had the Slinger Nationals that incorporated whoever won that race was their local guy. And that brought in Luke Fenhouse, which Luke Fenhouse can't get any more local of that track than local can get, besides Doug Kobe, for instance. Um, and then Nashville, they didn't really do that um, local driver deal because they kept the 12, you know, big-name stars. Go back to last year. They did the local driver for five flags in a five-flag special race, whatever, but the Pollard got in. Um, then you had South Boston Speedway. They had Sellers, their local multi-time track champion, um, and I believe he won a couple NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series championships there too. Um, Stafford had the Spring Sizzler. The winner of that race got to be the local guy, in which that was Matt Hirschman. Matt Hirschman's a big modified guy. More so on the lower end instead of the NASCAR end, which, again, brings in some sort of local flavor to it. And then Nashville Fairgrounds last year, they had a popular driver fan vote type deal in which Cole Williams got in. And then Federated Auto Parts I-55 Raceway, they brought in Ken Schrader, which was a stupid idea anyways because, not I mean, not a – not to take a nod against Ken Schrader, but it was dumb in the sense that you took away a small town named kid just to put Ken Schrader on the track. Then you, and then for Sharon Speedway, it was awesome to see uh, Blaney versus Blaney time. You again, you you brought in Ryan and Dave Blaney but you did not bring in a small-town named person to fill it in. This year, they don't have any of that. Like, you basically killed off Ray Everham's idea of a local track guy coming in to see if they have anything of what it takes to race against the big-name stars. Shoot, when Doug Kobe did it, he got an opportunity in a NASCAR truck race. Did he get any big opportunities since then? Not really, but at least he had... a. He had an open door. Right. Mark Andrade probably has his open door because of the, because of the, uh, uh, the affiliation. Junior. Ernie Ernie Francis Jr. is another big one. He nobody knew the guy who was a seven time Trans Am champion comes into SRX. Now he's running IndyCar light uh, for Roger Penske. But, I mean, the local track guy, why did we get rid of it? I agree, Ted. Travesty. I didn't realize they had gotten rid of it. That sucks. Yep. 
But when Unless she, they're like, adding another car. Had to be some sort of full-time driver change because last I remember, <clears throat> Brian Hunter Ray um, was supposed to race SRX full-time. And then Ken Schrader was announced full-time. And then when Bob Pockris released um, the entry list for every single SRX race this year, Ryan Hunter Ray's not on there, which I'm a, which a lot of people think it's because he signed a full-time IndyCar deal, which could conflict in a couple races from what some people were gathering. But... It's just disappointing. I mean, I get you want to bring in some of, like, the guys from yesteryear to come in and race. Um, but if you want to continue, you've got to bring in the current names, which I am saying, and I know some people, some names that are out there, but I like the fact that they brought in Brad Keselowski. They brought in Haley Deegan. Those are current stars that are running full-time right now um obviously marco andretti he's focused on srx until he has a full-time ride somewhere else you know um but it sucks to see guys like clint boyer kevin harvick denny hamlin shoot suarez i'll throw that in there joseph newgarden kyle bush ron caps i mean i know ron caps is an older guy but it sucks to see like those yeah. names right, right there not be full-time drivers. But in some of those drivers' cases, you could argue the fact, well, they don't want to, they maybe don't want to put in full investment into SRX because they want to focus full on, you know, their current ride, which, you know, and, can make that argument there too. Yeah. Yeah. And if I, if I can just throw this in there, Adam Stern had a tweet about um, part of the SRX returning to ESPN was that the SRX series would get more exposure on their general sports shows, which leads me to believe that part of the reason that ESPN agreed to this is that ESPN and ABC are looking towards upcoming negotiations with NASCAR and or other major racing series for future coverage. So, you know, I I don't know, I I don't recall when the NASCAR series um, coverage negotiations come up again, but being that we have drivers in SRX from so many different series, could this be that ESPN slash ABC are looking to get their finger back in the pie of racing coverage with, you know, F1, Indy, whatever. 
I just feel uh, like while yeah. I see Which SRX, you know, giving themselves a shot by bringing back Thursday night, the old Thursday night thunder, especially back in ESPN when ESPN basically for the most part, not entirely, for the most part, has fallen out of the motorsports world, and this is kind of them getting back into it more because I think they still follow F1 and stuff like that. But I just find that, and I like, and it's good for SRX that they've brought in different sponsors or partners such as Purdue University, South Point, Bass Pro, just to name a couple. Um, but it just, it could be sponsors, you know, saying some, being a part of this. But at the same time, if you're trying to bring in new viewers or from a photographer type deal, why are you primary cars typically the same color? <laughs> because then oh, you, can't point out, you can't point out that that driver's in that color car. So when you look at the other yeah. races, you sit there and say, okay, I remember that guy's in that color car, that guy's in that in the other different car. You don't have that this time around. Uh, back to Olympus Lee's point, I, I do believe that all of this with Tony Stewart and SRX and Ray Havenham basically is a big FU back to NASCAR and being given in any type of form of fashion that they could buck the system or take money from or promise even that drivers from that organization, even though they don't have a TV deal with the NASCAR drivers, that Tony Stewart was going to be able to lure these drivers over to their network uh, through the series. I, I do believe all of that is a bargaining chip. And uh, it's, you you, you got to look at what's going on with Live Golf and PGA and the forced merger that's basically happening there. You have to wonder if some of these owners haven't really pieced together that their power together is stronger than NASCAR. And they can really um, change the landscape very quickly uh, from, uh, you know, there's a lot on the line with this uh, negotiation, this continuous contract. And, I mean, you think about, you know, SRX being the buck of the system, right, uh, the short track. Uh, thing somewhere in between that and cars, there's definitely uh, some, uh, 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 I guess a piece of the armor has been chipped away for NASCAR, so to speak. And anything right now can be leveraged as a bargaining chip. Did that kind of help, Miss Lee? Well, yeah, but I, I, I just, I, I don't think that you can can discount my theory that. You know, ESPN's been away from racing for a long time. And they're seeing how lucrative it has been for the other um, networks. And that maybe they're wanting to uh, get back into it. And this is part of their way in. Yeah, I can I can definitely say that. And look, I'm excited about the SRX series. Um, you know, it, it is good to see some of the more of the superstars, right? It's kind of hard. Okay, we're we're bitching and complaining about uh Kenny Schrader and Kenny Wallace and Haley Deegan. 
But man, we got Denny Hamlin showing up. We got Kyle Bush showing up. Uh, we do have some superstars coming to the table here. So, uh, you know, it's not all gloom. Uh, what is it? Uh, gloom and, and doom uh, for the SRX series. It's actually, um, you know, it's going to be pretty cool, especially with this first race. That's Kat, give us a lineup real quick in the uh, six races that they have, and then we'll go into uh, Kaz's hot pick. All right, so for so these so for the six races, they're at Stafford um, for the season opener uh, this coming Thursday. Then it's Thunder Road in Vermont. Then you go to Motor Mile. I don't remember where exactly that is. That's in the central part of the country. I do remember that. Um, then you go to Berlin for round four. Then for the final two races, they they are on the dirt of Eldora Speedway and then Lucas Oil Speedway for the season finale. And when I say Lucas Oil Speedway, I do not mean they took dirt on IRP and made it a dirt track. No, it's the Lucas Oil uh, Speedway in Missouri. Um, and recap, recap of the drivers real quick. So the eight full-time drivers they'll be racing for an SRX championship are Brad Keselowski uh, of the NASCAR Cup Series, Haley Deegan from the NASCAR Truck Series, Bobby Labonte. Um, we know him from the Cup Cup Series, but he currently runs uh, modified through the Smart Modified Tour. Brian Newman, obviously we know from the Cup Series as well, but he runs modified through the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour and the Smart Modified Tour. Tony Stewart, we know him from uh, the Indy 500, obviously from IndyCar and NASCAR. Now he's in the NHRA. Paul Tracy, we know him from IndyCar. Marco Andretti, uh, we know him from IndyCar, but currently uh, scoring some rides through NASCAR. Ken Schrader, we know him from uh, NASCAR as well. But he's going to be. But obviously, right now he runs the, um, he runs a dirt track and dirt modified car right now. Part timers, um, Tony Kanan and Helio Castroneves will be partnering each other in the Purdue University car. Uh, Clint Boyer will be in three races: uh, Stafford Motor Mile and Lucas Oil. Kevin Harvick will be in two races: Stafford and Berlin. Um, Denny Hamlin will be at Stafford, Kenny Wallace, as I mentioned earlier, Thunder Road and Lucas Oil. Ernie Francis Jr. will do a one-off at Lucas Oil. Matt Kenseth will be running at Eldora along with Ron Caps and Mr. Rhinestone Cowboy 90s Porn Stash Dude, uh, Austin Dillon. And, of course, Kyle Busch, as we mentioned, he'll be at Berlin and Motor Mile. Uh, Greg Biffle will run Thunder Road, Daniel Suarez, Thunder Road, uh, Joseph Newgarden at Motor Mile, Casey Kane will be driving at Berlin, and I think that's all the names I've hit on. All right, well, definitely some superstars in that list, uh, especially when you're talking about 8,500 winners and uh uh, who's that new dog and uh, driver such as that? I mean, you know, there it is. Uh, it's going to be an exciting six week uh, race uh, extravaganza, 
And we're looking forward to it. Right here in the dog days of the summer, we know what we're going to be doing every Thursday night. We're going to be watching SRX. Well, if you can stay awake long enough for it. Uh, Taz Taylor, it's getting about that time, and right. uh, I guess we need to get real, uh, real quick. Real quick before we get into the picks, um, we talked briefly talked about you didn't know who won the truck race, Corey Heim at Mid Ohio. It was a wonderful, exciting race, and also John Hunter Nemechek won the Xfinity race in Atlanta. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and uh, so what was re- – yeah, I got to watch the first part of the truck race, and, uh, of course, they, they were just then uh, putting on their uh, uh, slicks when I left. So uh, it, it was – obviously, I, I, I'll have to go back and watch the end of it, but a uh, very exciting race uh, that I got to see. Cool to see NASCAR continue to use these rain tires. Of course, we're going to New Hampshire – where there is a threat of rain, first of all, the stat of the day uh, would have been that uh, for the first time since 2003, uh, a, a back-to-back weekend got uh, the race rain shortened. So that has, that's not something that typically happens. Here we are. We're going into New Hampshire. The greatest thing about that, though, is we have what? We have wet tires. Not rain tires. We have wet tires. Uh Cass Taylor, is that going to have uh, any significance on who we believe should be uh, in here? I don't entirely think so. Contenders? Um, Contenders? I don't think so, but who knows on that deal. But in terms of hot picks, um, for those, real quick, on SRX, if you're looking for certain drivers to look out for, um, obviously Tony Stewart fits into that fray. Um, Ryan Newman's another one for Stafford, being that he's the winner from last year. Bobby Labonte is another big one to look out for. And a couple other drivers to look out for as well, but do not sleep on them big time, is Marco Andretti and Denny Hamlin. Uh, we know how Denny, and there's a reason why I hence on Denny Hamlin, because Denny Hamlin, for some reason, likes these low bank tracks, which leads into my hot picks of the Cup Series race at New Hampshire. He is listed as one of my favorites for this weekend, along with Christopher Bell and Kyle Busch. Contenders, I have Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Truex Jr., for the underdogs, I am looking at Austin Sindrick, Daniel Suarez, and Rhinestone Cowboy Austin Dillon. And the panel is now open for favorites, contenders, and underdogs for New Hampshire. Well, well Eric Amarola. Amarola, I can see as an underdog. Um, I heard Joey Logano. He's got to at least be a contender. I say he's at least a contender on that spectrum. I mean, he's got two wins in twenty-four New Hampshire races, and his average right. finish is almost is almost right there with Kyle Busch. Hmm. 
All right, I'll throw one out there. Um, McDowell. I can see him as an underdog without question. Um, I will throw. I will throw in Kyle Larson and William Byron, and I am not throwing them in lists that you would think I'm throwing them in for two reasons. One, they share the same stat. They they both share the first reason, and then the second reason is it's, well, completely different for the both of them. <laughs> Larson well, and I'm Byron. Like, Larson and Byron <laughs> have not won at New Hampshire. William Byron, on the other hand, has not even scored a top 10 finish. Wow. Interesting stuff. But, you know, Ford seemed to be pretty good here. So, I mean, I don't know if we're and – and I expect uh, – you know, I, I I would think uh, Track House, we're kind of leaving them out, and Kyle Bush. We're leaving Kyle Bush out on that. Uh, where where can we put Kyle Bush? Kyle Bush I, I would put it as a favorite. As a favorite, okay. okay, okay. Well, I and we that. could argue, and if we're going to put him as a favorite, yeah. we can argue Joey Logano going there too, being that he almost mirrors Kyle mm-hmm. Bush's stats. That's why I said Logano had to at least be a contender, if not, you know, because he, he's got history there. All right, so we'll throw him in the favor list. Contenders, you know, here's another 100 driver that can be thrown in the mix, and I'm not putting him in the favor either. That's Chase Elliott, winless at New Hampshire. But... And- he can he does he does share the same reason of Kyle Larson. He does have top fives and top ten finishes. But William Byron does not have a single top ten finish in New Hampshire. What about where yeah. did we put did we put Truex out there yet? Truex I put as a contender. He's also okay. winless there. He's also winless there, but in the current driver's racing now, he has the fourth best average finish of 11.7. Eight top fives, 14 okay. top tens. I'm feeling Larson and Byron easily as contenders. I can't put them as favorites right now. No, I wouldn't put either of them as favorites either. What about Christopher Bale? He's a favorite. He's a favorite. Why? 10.3 average finish. Raced at New Hampshire three times in the Cup Series. He is the defending winner of New Hampshire. With To follow along with his three starts, two top fives, two top tens. All right, well, I think you got to squeeze Brad last year there somewhere. Contender. Maybe. 
Two wins, nine top fives. Two wins, nine top fives, 15 top tens, and an average finish of 10.0. Look at that. He is fast on the handle. You already knew that one. Well, that's my that's that's my input. I'm done. I don't know if I can add any more. Now, now I'm working on favorites. Because, I mean, I'm thinking about what organizations are strong here and what organizations. As you said, it doesn't seem like Hendricks got this one circled on their calendar. But I do remember last year Eric Amarola saying, I'm going into New Hampshire with it circled on my calendar. You know, and so I feel like this is one of those places where you're going to get one of these boards at an advantage or you're going to get uh, maybe a track house at an advantage. Where, where's a... Where is Ross Chastain, and what is his finish? I have, I do not have him on the list. Yeah. Well, if I would put him in my top five uh, by the end of the year, I definitely would have Ross Chastain in as a contender or possibly even a favorite. Um, I would have to look at how he did last year. To see if that's even a considerable deal. I mean, two top tens and four starts. Um, but the average finish doesn't show for him. Hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. Look at this. Let's see. Last year, started 18th, finished 8th. He did not lead any laps, though. However... In twenty in twenty twenty one he started twentieth, finished eighth. That year he was racing for Chip Ganassi and led three laps. Hmm. I mean well that could put him as a contender. Yeah, yeah. I'll see it as a contender for that. Um, I, I did not hear Bubba Wallace's name. Why, why am I not hearing Bubba Wallace's name? I could throw him as an underdog. I mean, but where's the stats at for him? Um, Bubba is that Wallace. We're, is that how we're just going to put Bubba Wallace in the Hall of Fame? We're just going to put him in? Bubba Wallace in five yeah. starts. And five New Hampshire starts has one top five, one top ten. Wow. Nineteen point six average finish. So I could easily did, see him as underdog status. Did that top ten come at the same place as the top five? Yes. I know, duh. <laughs> and that came last year. Started fourth, finished third. Oh, well, so that shows that the Toyotas have speed there. Then we're sleeping on Tyler Reddick. It took a long way around to get there, but, you know. Tyler Reddick. I'd put Bubba, one, I'd put Tyler Bubba Wallace was not even there. Reddick only has one top ten finish in three races at New Hampshire. And believe it or not, that top ten finish came from his rookie, from his rookie season with Richard Childress Racing. All right, here's one to throw out there because it's very unpredictable, but what about Ty Gibbs? Oh, 
Oh, I can see him as an underdog. Yeah, he actually had a pretty impressive rookie year, yo. He's putting together a pretty impressive year. He had a slow start, but he's catching. I can agree with him as an underdog. I'm more on the lines of this is going to go to a Ryan Priest or a Michael McDowell. I really feel that way. Well, don't be and, surprised. And, that was, don't. and Priest was the next name I was going to throw out. Don't be surprised when I pick somebody crazy for uh, for my actual well, pick this week. Well, we have our names. We threw out some extras, but we have our list put together um, pretty much for the most part. So, I mean... Holy crap, it's 9 o'clock. Yep. Well, that was a great show. Uh, Thank you, Taz, uh, for putting that list together for us. We'll get that posted uh, as quickly as possible. We went a couple minutes over. I can't believe that. We... I generally don't go over, um, or at least not notice that we're going over. Uh, we want to thank y'all for listening to Race Chat Live this Tuesday night. Of course, we'll be back next Tuesday night as we give you more of the hot topics in the racing world. Uh, we do want to thank uh, a few of our sponsors. Miss, uh, who's got the sponsor list? Is it Utah? Do you got the sponsor list? I got it all, Mister. You're starting to take over my uh, my closing segue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My bad. Here you go, man. Let me pass it to you, Taz Taylor. All right, we want to thank everyone for listening on to Race Channel Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss a live show, you can always catch us on any forms of podcast, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, go subscribe to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. You'll find content such as clips of our show, not only our show, but Mr. CJ and Mario's uh, Wednesday night 110 Nation Sports show. Um, You can also catch the new uh, NPRL Radioactive, which, not going to lie, that was a pretty good video, and there's some drama that was in that Radioactive that went down. Um, You can also catch the... uh, the other popular series, there's only one nation and one ten nation. Um, so go ahead and go over to sub- subscribe to that channel. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Bears Bullish Market, Carolina Sports Plus, uh, TNT Designs, More to Music, Karaoke and Entertainment, and Yellow Caution Flag Productions. Thank you so much for listening on to Race Chat Live. We'll see you same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Creighton, the Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed on the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Tess Taylor saying good night. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.